This message was recorded on the campus of Watchta Hills College. For more information, visit our website, www.ohc.org. Father in heaven, thank you for the Sabbath hours that are soon to be upon us, for this reminder of creation and redemption. We thank you that we can rest in the assurance that it is God and God alone that can make us holy. And we rest in that every seven days. And Lord, this weekend, we are recognizing the work that you've done in the lives of these graduates. Pray that you'd bless the services. May your spirit abide here on this campus. I pray tonight that you would use me. Lord, I recognize that I am weak, frail, a human being that is in need of your grace and your power. And I pray that for your glory this evening, that you would use this feeble instrument to speak words that through the unction of your Holy Spirit would touch hearts, that you'd move us, convict us by your grace. For we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Our passage of reflection this evening is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. I invite you, if you have your Bibles, to turn with me to this passage. It's a reflection of Paul where he's giving a very personal account of a, a struggle, a challenge in his life, in his Christian experience. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given me, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. If you permit me this evening, I want to ask some research questions in regards to this passage. He uses this metaphor of a thorn in the flesh. We can relate to it. Maybe we haven't had a particular thorn, but to all of us probably have had a splinter in our skin. Splinters are annoying. They just hang out in our consciousness. And it's just, just a little thing that is there embedded within our skin, and I've had splinters for days that just will not go away. And every time I reach for something, the pain is there in the background. I can still operate, but it is always there in a nagging sense in our consciousness. So he uses this, this metaphor, the, a thorn in the flesh. What is the thorn? Comparing scripture with scripture, you, you can see that there, there, is, there are some clues as to what this thorn may be. And it's found in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 11. I'm going to read it so you can just jot them down for your own reference. He says, you see how, I have a, you see how large a letter 
I have written unto you with my own hand. In other words, this was unique. In Galatians, he says, look, I wrote this with my own hand. Prior to this, he would use literary assistance to help him write his letters. And you get other evidences of what this thorn may be in Acts chapter 22 and verse 30. Now, going back to that other text, you're wondering why that gives us some clues. You know, why is it that Paul makes a big deal that he wrote this letter himself? It seems that there were some inabilities that he had. Another clue that we receive is in Acts chapter 22 and verse 30. And those who stood by said, do you revile the high priest? Then Paul said, I did not know, brethren, that he was the high priest, for it is written, you shall not speak evil of the ruler of your people. So Paul is before the Sanhedrin and he's talking to the high priest and he speaks in a way that the people around him are like, look, you're being kind of, your, your language is not giving the, the, the due respect to this individual. And then Paul says, oh, I didn't know it was the high priest. And in Galatians chapter 4, verse 15, we have almost an explicit reference to the disability that Paul had. Galatians chapter 4, verse 15. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. You put these passages together, and there's a picture that seems to emerge here. The reason why Paul used literary assistance, and he makes a big deal in Galatians, look, I wrote this myself. And the reason why Paul was not able to recognize the high priest, which would have been very apparent by the the nature of the clothing that he was wearing, and the reason why he told the church in Galatia, you had pity on me and you would have given me your own eyes if you could, is because Paul had poor eyesight, poor vision. It was so bad that he struggled to write his own letters. The pen of inspiration clarifies what the thorn in the flesh actually was Ellen White letter 207 1899 Paul had a bodily affliction his eyesight was bad he thought that by earnest prayer the difficulty might be removed but the Lord had his own purpose and he said to Paul speak to me no more about this matter my grace is sufficient, it will enable you to bear the infirmity. Paul's thorn in the flesh was poor eyesight. Weak vision. The question arises, where did he get it? Did he always have weak vision in Ellen White? Sketches from the life of Paul, page 34 says... Paul was ever to carry about with him in body the marks of Christ's glory, his eyes, which had been blinded by the heavenly light. 
In other words, on the road to Damascus, when he saw Jesus, remember he was blind for three days and afterwards Ananias came and laid hands on him and things like scales fell from his eyes. But the spirit of prophecy seems to indicate that he never fully regained his eyesight. And she says he was to bear that in his body until the day of his death. And he says, this was, this was my thorn. With this picture that emerges from the biblical references and the affirmation from the spirit of prophecy, I want to read this passage again that we just read here tonight. First, second Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. The question is, why the thorn? We know that it's weak eyesight, but why? And it says here, lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation. In other words, it was about pride. Paul was brilliant. (laughs) It's an understatement. Ivy League, not summa cum laude, magna cum laude. A genius. When you read Acts of the Apostles, during those three days, he was having a Bible study in his head. After he was blinded by Jesus Christ, reference after reference, a Bible study in his mind. The Pentateuch in his head. A member of the Sanhedrin. You don't get to be a member of the 70 by being soft intellectually. This man was a genius. Brilliant. Erudite. Articulate. A man that could hold his own in any academic arena. By far the most educated and sophisticated out of all the apostles. He could hold his own. This man was a genius. This wasn't Peter. This wasn't John. This was a PhD. And he wrote the majority of the New Testament in terms of the most prolific writer. Not only was he the most prolific writer, he was a combination of a theologian, Hazel, for those that know, in academia, in Adventism. I don't think anyone's risen to the level of Dr. Hazel. Anchor Bible Dictionary, reference from Hazel, Adventist theologian and dean. He He was the encapsulation of Dr. Gerhard Hazel, but he was also Mark Finley. Evangelist, 
that won thousands and raised up churches. In addition to that, administrator. He could write the church manual from memory. Read Timothy. The combination of Gerard Hazel, Mark Finley, and Ted Wilson embodied in one individual, and that was Paul. And yet, God says, look, I'm going to give you something. Or, let me rephrase it, I'm going to allow something to remain in you. And it's a thorn. Because once you become proud, you become unusable. Let me say that again. It doesn't matter how brilliant, how gifted you are. Once you become proud, you become unfit for service. Unfit. Unusable. A liability. And so God says, look, I'm going to allow this thorn, your eyesight. And Paul's probably thinking in his head, look, look how many more letters I could have written if I'm, I'm not always depending on these literary assistants. I mean, our, our New Testament could have been volumes. Imagine every time he has to write a book, you know, where's my literary assistant? I can't, I can't see. I can't, I can't write. But God says, no, 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 no. You, you've been gifted with so much that you have the chance of becoming so big in your head that you're going to become unfit. And God says, no. You're going to keep this thorn the rest of your life. Always in the background of a continual reminder of who you really are. Pride. One person says, there's no fault of which we are more unconscious in ourselves, and the more we have it in ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. I hate proud people. And then I look at myself, and I'm like, oh. John Wesley, all pride is idolatry. Augustine said it was pride that changed angels into devils. It's humility that makes men angels. A person who thinks too much of himself thinks too little of God. <laughs> I read this thing earlier in a worship talk. I'll read it again. Some warning signs of a proud heart always thinks he's right, easily offended, does not like to be corrected, impatient with others likes to talk more than listen, desires to be first or best, needs to be noticed, obstinate towards authority, quick to find faults with others, bold to contradict others, demanding and hard to please, please, more sensitive to the personal desires than to the needs of others, boasts about achievements. I'm like, ouch, this is, this is me. I mean, this is, Lord have mercy on my soul. On the seven top List the seven deadly sins list of God, Proverbs 6, you know it. These things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. Number one, 
pride. Pride. And so, so Paul's like, look, telling the Corinthian church, lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. In other words, he recognizes that the reason that he has this thorn is because it's there as a continual reminder to keep him humble. To keep him humble. And then he says, look, in verse 8, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. He says he pleaded with God, Lord, my eyes, please restore my vision. Please restore my sight. Please give me my eyes back for your glory. And the Lord says, no. He says, no. What's your thorn? I'll tell you what one of mine is. I'm no, by no means an A-list speaker. But for whatever reason, the Lord has given me opportunities. At, at best, I'm a C-plus in terms of visibility. But the Lord in his mercy has given me the opportunity to speak on certain platforms, such as 3ABN. And I'll tell you what happens every single time. I remember early on in my speaking development, I'd just given a message, and my mentor, who I looked up to, told me, David, you're never going to be a preacher. You don't have the gift. And quite frankly, that was... That was really painful coming from my mentor. And I was like, man, what am I going to do then? He said, you should do something else. Bad. I was like, all right. And then the Lord would give me other speaking opportunities. And over time, uh, he uses the foolish things of this world. Amen? And there's so many times when I get up to speak, at, at platforms that I'm wondering, I feel like such an imposter for speaking there. And it's like, there's plenty of other people. And I'm like, Lord, is, I guess I'm it. And it happens. But, but I'll tell you what happens every single time. I, I had the, the opportunity to preach at a certain church, a thousand members. And, and every time I would preach there, every single time. And I was third string on the on the queue of of preachers, but over time, uh, I started to move up in in the queue. And so this particular church, it was I won't tell you where it is because I want to keep everybody anonymous. But but there was there was a particular church, thousand thousand member church in a very well known Adventist community, and they would broadcast on the radio who would speak. And so so I was becoming a little bit known in that community in my little sphere, and they'd say I would be speaking, and 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 a good number of people would come. But every time, I, I tell you, without fail, every time I'm going to preach at this church, I'd walk in the lobby, 
And in this case, the thorn in the flesh was a human being. This man was chosen by God. I tell you, without fail, I'd go there all prepped, two sermons in a large Adventist community. I'm coming in, you know, you're, you're focused, dialed in, and this man would find me. And I'd be like, oh, no. No, 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 no. He'd be like, David. He didn't even call me pastor. David. Oh, you're preaching? I'm not lying about what he's saying. This is quote. David, you're preaching? Oh, no. I guess they'd let anybody preach nowadays. I'm leaving. And he would say it in jest. But you know those things that just sit in there? And you're more annoyed that you're annoyed? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's like this, this just, mm, you know, just sits in there. And, and it's like this splinter. It's a thorn. It's so annoying. And I'm like about to preach and it's like, oh, oh, and I need to recover and get myself down. And look, every time I preached in that church, that man would find me in the lobby. Like, like a honing pigeon. You know, I'm trying to avoid it. It's like, you. And I'm like, oh, you know, and I'm like, Lord, why? 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 You know, I hate being humble. I despise it. And so my preaching career had a certain pattern. I was preaching in South Africa. I was preaching with the lineup of Derek Morris. You know, Hope Channel, right? That's the lineup. Derek Morris, you know, all these big names. And then it's me. And I'm like, whoa. You know, so I'm preaching there in South Africa. They take us to, to on safari and so forth. And then, and then, you know, I just, I, I'm giving my sermons. And another pastor meets me on the campground. You can notice a pattern here. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he says, David, you know, I appreciated your messages. And he said, you know, you can really break down the wing-wing and the sing-sing. And I said, I was like, what does that mean? In other words, that was a, that was a racial you see what I'm saying? Yeah. South Africa is very highly racially charged. You know, I, I found out, I didn't find out I fit in a cat. I was colored. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? I was middle, you know, there's upper tier, middle tier, and then there's low tier. I was middle. And so this was, this was a brother putting me in my place, a pastor. And so I didn't even know how to deal with that. And so I walk away. And the residual and all the memories from my childhood of, you know what I'm talking about. And I was just like, ah, camp meeting. 
was preaching at one other camp meeting. <laughs> the other speakers, Mark Finley, you do the math, all right? And I'm like, oh, preaching morning worship. I come down. I'm noticing a pattern here. A dear saint finds me. He says, David, I thought you were 12 years old. And walks away. I'm like, I don't know this woman from... uh." I'm like, what was that? What? What? So so all these things happen. You know, I just spoke for a three ABN camp meeting. Again, Mark Finley is on the... the, You know, I got to stop getting in that roster. You, You know what I'm saying? I come back. I come back. And it's no one here, but I'm on the phone with somebody, someone that I respect. And that person just changes the tone and, and patronizes me on the phone. Speaks to me like a child. And I get off the phone and I'm just like, what has just happened? And then it, and then it, it hit me. This is my thorn. <laughs> this is this is God's way of reminding me of who I am. And I could tell you story after story, and quite frankly, it's, it's been painful. <laughs> How are we to relate to thorns? Verse 9 and 10. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmity, in reproaches, in need, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And here's my thesis. Don't hate humbling experiences. Embrace them. Don't hate experiences that expose your weakness and vulnerability. Embrace them. Don't hate experiences where you're corrected and reminded of areas that you need to grow. Embrace them. Here, Paul's like... The, the thing that, that is a thorn, the thing that's so painful, the thing that's, that's diminishing or hurting his ministry, and the thing that he was pleading with God to help him get, get deliverance from, and, and, and the thing that he wants back, his eyesight, for ministry purposes. God says no, and he says, okay, I'm not going to hate this thing. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to glory. I'm going to boast in my infirmities. 
I mean, look, it's painful when people tell me the things that, that, that I've been told and I can go through instant. I mean, it happens every single time. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Every single time. I'm just waiting for it. And sometimes I forget and it happens and I'm like, and then in that moment of shock, I'm in the aftermath and I'm like, oh yeah. And look, human nature, I hate that stuff. I hate being humbled. I despise it. But Paul says, the Bible says, embrace it. Embrace it. Don't hate it. Embrace it. Oh, you look like you're 12 years old. Oh, thank you. You know, I mean, we're not talking about a masochistic idea, but to recognize, and I'm not saying we shouldn't be insensitive, but absorb the hurt, but recognize that that's a moment of grace. God loves me too much to become unusable. He loves me too much to become inflated and unfit for ministry. And so he allows these things to happen to me, to ground me on an anchor and a foundation to remind me that without him, I'm a nobody. To embrace those moments of weakness and say, Lord, thank you. Because it's in these moments of utter weakness that I'm the strongest. And so young people, graduates, embrace the thorn. Don't hate it. Embrace it. When you're reminded of who you really are and you're humbled, say, Lord, thank you. I told this illustration earlier in a message I want to share it again because it, it, it really brings this point down about Johnny Erickson Tata. Many of you know the story, July 30, 1967, she dove into the Chesapeake Day Bay, broke her neck. Between the fourth and fifth vertebrae, became a quadriplegic, paralyzed for life. She wanted to commit suicide. How does a quad, quadriplegic commit suicide. She goes into depression and she meets Jesus, has a ministry today, reached thousands. I've been touched by her story, her faith. She can write a little bit with her mouth and even paint it and just the Lord has used her in her story. And she says this, in a way, I wish I could take to heaven my old, tattered, Everest Jennings wheelchair. I wish I could take my wheelchair to heaven. Why? She says, I would point to the empty seat and say, Lord, 
For decades, I was paralyzed in this chair. At that point, with my strong and glorified body, I might sit in it, rub the armrests with my hands, look up at Jesus, and add, the weaker I felt in this chair, the harder I leaned on you. The weaker I felt in this chair, the harder I leaned on you. What's your wheelchair? What's your thorn? What's that thing that reminds you of who you really are? Patriarchs and prophets, prophets and kings, nothing is more helpless yet more invincible than the soul that feels its nothingness and relies wholly on God. As we, as we wrap up this evening, I want to read the words from a poem that's been turned into a song that encapsulates the theme well. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, but sometimes I wonder what he can do through me. No great success to show, no glory on my own, Yet in my weakness, he is there to let me know that his strength is perfect when our strength is gone. He'll carry us when we can't carry on. Raised in his power, the weak become strong. His strength is perfect. His strength is perfect. We can only know the power that he holds when we truly see how deep our weakness goes. His strength in us begins. When ours comes to an end, he hears our humble cry and proves again his strength is perfect when our strength is gone. He'll carry us when we can't carry on. Raised in his power, the weak become strong. His strength is perfect. His strength is perfect. (sighs) Young people, students, faculty, visitors, I want to be used by God. Do you want to be used? I mean, I'm, I'm tired of this, this cycle of just generation after generation coming on the scene and, and we're not getting the job done. And yet in the end, I am my own liability. <laughs> it's me. I'm the greatest liability. We can be the, a great asset, but also a liability. And so tonight, you know, I wasn't planning on making this appeal, but I just want to make a very simple appeal tonight. If you want to say, Lord, and this is not a general appeal, so please don't misunderstand me. If you want to say, Lord, 
Help me to embrace the thorn so you can use me. There might be something in your life that you've asked the Lord to remove for years, but it's just, it just won't go away. And you want to say, Lord, help me to embrace it so that you can use me. I want to invite you to come forward tonight for a special prayer. Say, Lord, I want to be used. Help me to embrace humbling experiences for your glory. Help me to glory in my infirmities. And once say, Lord, tonight, use me. Humble me so you can use me. Let's kneel together as we pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that if you let us, you love us too much to become unfit for service. You love us too much to let us become arrogant and proud of our own accomplishments and brilliance, our achievements. And you allow things in our lives to, quite frankly, put us on our back. To help us to remember who we really are. To remember our weakness our frailty, our mortality, and our humanity. That without you, we are but dust. And we thank you for those moments of self-awareness. We thank you for those moments of even pain. We thank you for those moments of those reminders that help us to recognize that without you, we are nothing. We thank you for those reminders, even painful ones, that help us to put us in our place. And Lord, tonight we've come forward because we want to be used. Humble us so that we can be usable. Help us to embrace moments of of humility, of humbling experiences. Help us to embrace moments of correction. Help us to embrace moments of self-awareness of our own mortality, and human weakness. I pray for every person that's come forward here tonight. You know what the thorn may be. And we pray like Paul that you would help us to glory in our infirmities. For when we are weak, then we are strong. Thank you for these things. For we ask these things In the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. 
If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.